sitting back, relaxing, and talking sports with the guys. Hey, we're just men doing manly things. Light up a cigar and have a brew with the starting lineups, Tyler Ivins and Eric Kay. For the next 60 minutes, it's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on The Sports Animal. Welcome back into it, everybody. The Gentleman's Hour podcast here on a Thursday evening, excuse me, afternoon in real time. Eric Kane, Tyler Robbins from the Budweiser Studios of Cumulus Broadcasting. John Stansel will join us next week back on the podcast. At underscore Kaner, at Tyler Ivins on Twitter, and at John underscore Stancil. Is that it? John underscore, is that, is that what his Twitter handle is? How many times have you said his Twitter handle when now all of a sudden you forget it? I, so I, I should be more confident in myself is what you're saying. John underscore Stancil, S-T-A-N-C-I-L. It's pretty pretty simple, really, when you think about it. It's his name with an underscore in between first and last. Hey, Tennessee 4-5, and 2-3 and three in SEC play, nine games in. Three games left. Tennessee needs to win two of the three to become bowl eligible. You went out, could be seven and five. That's where I had the season, you know, starting out. Tennessee would finish seven and five. That was before a loss to Georgia State. That was before a loss to BYU. That was with a loss to either South Carolina or Mississippi State. But that's why you play the games. The season's a long one, and uh, Tennessee a good opportunity in front of itself. Of course, the way Tennessee's finished the last year, you can't really take anything for granted. But a lot to talk about here today. Tennessee basketball is back in session. Tyler Robbins, how you doing, buddy? You know, I thought we were going to talk about the Washington Nationals World Series victory to lead. Actually, what I want to talk about is the yeah, Baylor basketball game the other not. day. We better not. Women's basketball halftime score fifty to three. Your thoughts? Fifty one to three. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, who, no, every point counts. Who were they playing against? New Hampshire. Jeez. You tweeted that out, and you kept the box score on New Hampshire. Yeah, I wanted you to see who, which lovely lady had. I can't remember the names, obviously, but uh, one uh, individual had a bucket. The other one had a free throw. Oh, job well done, ladies. A lot going on right now. We're officially in crossover season. Yeah, it is, and, and, and things are at the busiest that they have been in some time here at 99.1 WNML. And I just, outside of the fact that I'm probably sitting in right now the coldest damn room we have in the entire building, I can see my own breath. You can uh, hang some meat in there, dude. Yeah, I can. And I can tell you right now, it's a lot. It's warmer outside than it is inside the studio <laughs> right now. I'm telling you, it is all. So before I got an office, before I shared an office, really a closet with Chris Mills, shout out. I kind of made this my office and I'd be in here every single day doing my work. And it was so cold in here all the time. And so this studio is always cold in here. Yeah. Monday, I came into the uh, to the booth that you're actually in right now. There's a, there's a glass separating Tyler and I right now. But I, I was over there where Tyler is. Monday to do a, a radio hit, and dude, it was warm, and I was like, "What is this noise?" So, whoever controls the AC here on the third floor got a hold of, it, and now it's back to its normal freezing temperatures. Like, there's no fall, man. It's summer, hell no, and then it's winter. Yeah. It's BS. Here's my whole take on it. I don't care to be cold. I just don't like to be hot. So I really shouldn't be complaining right now. But this is like an uncomfortable level cold. I, right I'm now. the same way. You can always cover up. Right, you can only take but off so much. I didn't bring any gloves. I didn't bring any mittens today, so I'm going to try to see if I can get through the next couple of minutes without. Uh, By the way, is it much. is it a little feminine for a guy to say mittens instead of gloves? No, there's a difference between mittens and gloves. Okay, well, talk to me because gloves, work gloves, football gloves, uh, mittens are usually made out of uh, wool. Okay, at least that's what I thought. So if I did my job correctly on the sidelines on thir- now Friday nights, rivalry Thursday. Um, and I tried to be stylish. You know, first of all, I want to wear a trench coat, but I'm too short. I can't pull it off. I'd have to get it custom made because I'm so dang short. I want to wear a trench coat. I want to wear a scarf, and I want to wear mittens. So in that circumstance, you'd wear gloves. 
Would they be gloves? You'd wear gloves. You can get a solid pair of leather black gloves that are good for any pea coat, any trench coat. Stop by Marshalls. Stop by. Okay. One of the cheap, not, like, one of the stores everybody goes to, Marshalls, and uh, what's the other uh, place that's saying got relatively. Uh, come on, everybody goes there. I, I, for guys, I, I think Marshalls. I got a belt. I'm thinking of something. God, they're so expensive. Maybe it's a northern thing. Yeah. Anderson's. Okay, it's a northern thing. Uh, yeah, go to. You can go to. Uh, you go over to Marshalls. You can get. Like, I have a pair of Calvin Clove. Calvin Klein black gloves that yeah. I wear with everything. People are like, gosh, those gloves are so nice. I paid, I paid a pretty penny for those. Thirteen ninety nine at Marshalls. So, okay, real quick. Difference in mittens and gloves and then difference in trench and peacoats. I have a lot to learn here. Um, okay. Uh, I know mid- what a trench coat is. Let's start with peacoats. What's a peacoat? A peacoat is essentially just a nicer, just a dressier form of jacket or coat that you wear with like a suit normally. Okay. Uh, you can wear uh, trench coats are usually used for like rain, all weather. Mm-hmm. So things like that. Uh, the difference between mittens and gloves, I think, uh, my understanding is the knitting patterns. I think is another one of them. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. I've always look. I've ne- when I think of a mitt, I think of baseball. Yeah, when I think yeah. of gloves. I think of you know stuff that you wear for formal and like snow and things like that you know i'm I'm very cheap i've always lived that college lifestyle like balling on a budget type deal Uh, i don't make a lot of money now but i make more money than i used to and i still try to save everything i don't spend a lot of money so i got got a lot to learn i I guess gloves they have like the individual fingers too gloves see i thought that was oh okay okay. gloves they have individual fingers mittens it's like a boxing glove Okay. So it's like you, they're all they're okay. kind of all together in a mitten gloves. You have the So Teddy digits. Two Gloves li- literally could not throw a football with mittens on. No, 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 no. You okay. couldn't throw a glove. Can you throw a baseball with a mitten on? No. Yeah. So with a mitt on? No. So, I mean, there you go. Learning something here. All right. Hey, good start here to the Gentleman's Hour podcast. The Gentleman's Hour podcast. you got to learn how to dress, too, yeah. if you're going to talk about sports, smoke cigars, drink beer. Exactly. Uh, it's 991thesportsanimal.com. By the way, I tried to say it's it's a new uh, it's a new uh, URL for our website sportsradiowml.com. If you still go there, it will redirect you. But we are ninety nine one thesportsanimal.com. Tried to say that on Sports Talk the other day, and just fumbled. And I was like, I was like, yeah, and all that's available at sportsradiowml.com. I, I meant ninety nine one thesportsanimal. I meant uh uh uh. I was so confused. I, I freaked out. John and Jimmy laughed at me. It was it, it, it was all Welcome right. to the big leagues, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, act like you've been here. He's at Tyler Robbins at underscore Kaner, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. The numbers keep continue to increase. We appreciate you guys listening to our weekly podcast each and every week. Again, we'll be back, back out on location next week, the off week, the open week. Open week. Yeah, what's, what you got there? Uh, leftover Halloween candy. It's bad to have that around the office. What did you do... For Halloween last week, gave out candy. You only had one trick or treater. How was one. Friday? How was Friday? One trick or treater. What happened Friday? Well, I mean, I know you, you and Will were talking about on on the FB on the book how a lot of parents kept the kids in because the weather, but they're going to go out Friday night. Oh yeah, nobody bothered me on Friday. Okay, nobody good. bothered me on Friday. Um, I live in a cul-de-sac with about 17, 18 houses. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, um, rich guy. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you about all the luxuries I have in my house. Um, hey, you got the you, you got the the nicest uh, fire pit in Knoxville, Knoxville, and you yeah, but I didn't do that. Yeah, I didn't do that. Shout out Native Design and Hardscape. Um, which is funny because I don't like the eighteen people who live in my house. Like eight or nine of them have families, their kids, their trick or treating age. So why didn't they come to your house? I think they just went to a bigger neighborhood. Yeah, why trick or treat around? The, the only kid who stopped by our house is a kid in our neighborhood. 
And he happens to live two doors down. See, we have about, growing up where my parents live, uh, there's probably about, I would say probably about 150 houses. About 150. Um, How can you about 150? It's a big neighborhood. So people always came to our neighborhood to trick or treat. Sure. And so that was the thing growing up. But now Halloween is in the rearview mirror on uh, last Friday, which was November the 1st. It was officially happy holiday season. Uh, so I was blaring some uh, Christmas music in the office after of the show. Were. Of course you uh, were. Heather Harrington was saying that it was too soon on, on Sports 180 Friday. I immediately sent her three links to Christmas songs. And so it, it's that time of the year. It also means that it's November, and Tennessee football historically does not play too well in November, at least here in recent history. Last year, a big win over a number 11, Kentucky, followed up with a 50-17 to loss to Missouri and a 38-to-whatever loss to Vanderbilt. There was a point in time where I'm pretty sure Fulmer's middle name was November because that's all he did was win. And and you remember, you always finished Kentucky Vandy, Kentucky Vandy. Well, those are no longer gimmies anymore. And so that was two wins of the month. You probably had a non-conference game in there for homecoming, and then you had what? You had homecoming. You had had one other... Solid Usually, game. But here's the thing. you Everybody makes that comment about, like, homecoming. Your other opponent was likely, I mean, maybe your West opponent fell in there. Yeah. And, it, you, and you were just a better team than them. But people, like, I remember the years where people were just like, that whole November thing's a joke. It's a crock. Like, who are you guys playing in November anyway? You guys get some patsy for your homecoming, and then you have Kentucky Vandy. Who's that other team? Notre Dame? Yeah. Who's that other team? Miami, Florida, when they were back to the U days. Mm-hmm. Hey, who's that other team? Uh, I can keep going down the list of people who were just, I mean, it was just, you know, granted, everybody brings up the 97 game as well with Manning. I said 97, 96 game with Manning, and that was the Memphis game that they lost. But yeah, let's just put it like this. If you go back and you have, if, if you're a Tennessee fan, you know about Fulmer's November record, but if you just want kind of like a memory lane jog down, go dig that up. It's pretty impressive. Uh, Joel Silverberg has uh, written down numbers at uh, 991thesportsanimal.com in his See, blog. See, there you go. Yeah, it's rolling off the tongue now. And uh, he, he kind of broke it down as well. But here recently, Tennessee has not finished seasons out well. Uh, as I mentioned in the startup here in the in the intro, Tennessee an, an opportunity to finish 7-5. and five. Is that likely? I You know, we talked about on the show the other morning. I think Will said it at 85%. You were a little, little less. And then I think I said maybe 55 I can't remember. I'm I'm more than halfway, like feeling confident that Tennessee could finish with a seven and five record. Uh, but as the weeks gone on, I'm I, I'm just I'm not really feeling good about this Kentucky game. Your thoughts? I mean, it, it's and we'll, we'll we'll dissect we'll dissect. But at the end of the day, the most explosive best player on the field is going to be Lynn Bowden Jr. Okay, the last three games since the Wildcats leading receiver moved to quarterback. He's rushed the ball for 62 times, 498 yards, and four touchdowns. He has a 204-yard performance, a buck 96 performance, and then, like, I think he ran for 80 yards against uh, against Georgia. Point being, is he a quarterback by trait? No. But is he going to be the best player on the field when the offense is out there and Tennessee's defense is? Absolutely. Tennessee has struggled with mobile quarterbacks this year. I understand Kentucky's not going to be your typical mobile quarterback type deal. Uh, right. Ellington of Georgia State was a quarterback. Wilson at BYU, a quarterback. Trask at Florida, a quarterback. Um, you know, it was a lot of zone read options and a lot of just scrambling to make things happen. Uh, Bowden is going to be lining up in the Wildcat. He can do that, but he's going to, a lot of times, he's going to take the snap and do Juwan Jennings style, Tim Jordan style, and just create an extra gap and go. And so it's going to be a little bit different, but he's a phenomenal player. 
And, um, you know, with Tennessee's question marks on the offensive line right now, still a quarterback, I don't know. Talk me off the ledge here, man. I, I, as the week's gone on, I'm feeling worse and worse about this. I don't know if I can so much talk you off the ledge, but what I can tell you is that perhaps maybe it was Kentucky's performance against better teams. Uh, perhaps maybe it's been just how formidable the offense and defensive lines have looked for Kentucky this year. And simply because it's Mark Stoops. I just, you know, you want to sell me on Vanderbilt having Tennessee's number? Okay, it'd be hard for me to kind of dig out of that hole. You want to sell me on it's not a rivalry between Tennessee and Florida anymore because it's been one-sided as of recently, as of recent? Okay, yeah, I can't dig out of that hole. Uh, mentioning that Tennessee's any closer to beating Bama or Georgia? Again, can't argue it. Digging myself into a deeper hole. And maybe this is where the biggest problem is, and maybe I'm guilty like other Tennessee people are. But when I see Kentucky come up on the schedule, especially in football, I just look at it like, that's a W. Okay, 2017 loss, 2011 loss. Outside of that... They've beaten Kentucky. Has, Kentucky's has, beaten Tennessee twice since I've been alive. I was going to say, has Tennessee lost again since I've been alive? The last time they lost. So besides, the, besides 17 and 11, who you just brought up. Yeah. Kentucky's last victory before then, I'm almost certain, I am 100% certain, it's 84. They beat Tennessee here in Knoxville. Jeez. So Tennessee is a Kentucky's a team that Tennessee routinely beats year in and year out. Doesn't matter. Last year uh, was Kentucky's best team, and Tennessee handled them here in Knoxville. It's just kind of one of those things. Kentucky has a a pretty solid defense. It's ranked ninth in the SEC, but think about the defense in the SEC. I mean, it's it's still pretty. I don't have my game notes in front of me. It's still up there nationally. Yeah. Um. You know, Mark Stoops is always going to have a good, well coached Kentucky defense. Cash Daniel. Dirty player or not is a phenomenal linebacker. Okay, there's going to be some great techniques up there in the front seven. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt described them yesterday in his Wednesday press conference as big physical guys that can move. So Tennessee's going to be challenged with that with the line of scrimmage battle. You look at Tennessee's offensive line. Wanya Morris did not practice yesterday. He practiced Tuesday, but he did not practice Wednesday. Not sure of his status moving forward. He's just one of many guys who were banged up in that South Carolina game. Darnell Wright, Jameer Johnson did not play against UAB. They've been practicing this week. You know, how does Tennessee's offensive line respond? Because Jeremy Pruitt said it best on Monday, and I thought the same thing watching that game against the Blazers. Tennessee's O-line got whipped, dude. I, I know. Hear me, hear me out. It was a 30-7 win. Okay, Tennessee did exactly what it was supposed to do. Exactly what it was supposed to do. Tennessee was playing a quarterback with a broken hand. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee did not impress offensively whatsoever at all. And I thought points in times, big number 90 fair for UAB, whooped Brandon Kennedy up and down that field. The tackles were not good. Wanya Morris played easily his worst game for Tennessee. And he's been playing pretty well this year. He played his worst game for Tennessee. Marcus Tatum, K-Ron Calvert on the other side did not play well. Um, and Let so, me pause you. Darnell Wright, is there an update on Darnell Wright? Uh, he's been practicing this week. Okay, good for him. So, you know, he, and, he and Jameer Johnson both. Yeah. So we'll have to see. But... Um, you know, so the way Tennessee played against UAB offensively, and then you see this good Kentucky defensive front. I don't know, man. Again, again, I, I'm uh, Tennessee when, when when it plays to its abilities against South Carolina and parts and times in the October schedule, it can beat you know a lot of teams. But I don't know. I, I just for some reason, dude, I just it kind of just hit me this morning. It's like, eh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, you have every right to have your reservations. I'm okay with that. It's yeah. just. And maybe we live in a world now where Tennessee isn't elite as they used to be, and we can't just assume everything's a W by the tail end of the schedule. Is it your thought process on Kentucky? Like, 
you know, is how they're a very fundamentally sound team, but Tennessee has more playmakers than Kentucky. But point being, like, you know, Tennessee's lost to Kentucky twice in our lifetimes. Okay, so it's just one of those Kentucky dub, dub, dub. That's how the Vanderbilt, you know, game is on the schedule every single year. But you, you literally can't say that anymore. I can't believe I live in a world now where I'm more certain on a Kentucky victory before I am a Vanderbilt yeah. victory. Yeah, and that's where we are right now. And that's just, and th- those are just facts. I mean, look, you the, the stare, look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Oh, things will change this year." That's why I think it's nuts that I'm sitting there on the air every day, going, "I have without a question, no Tennessee's going to be Vanderbilt." This is a Vanderbilt team who beat Missouri three weeks ago. Yeah, and I still have no problem buying that microphone, being like, "Yep, going to happen." You know, and I remember somebody was ribbing me about it on social media. They were just like, "Hey, good call on the Patriots Ravens game having Baltimore win." I said. I don't even think I Oh, it was an actual compliment. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. So um, I don't remember. I didn't reply. I just liked it. And then he shot back like an hour later. He's like, that being said, he was like, having one right every 14 picks, (laughs) that doesn't mean that you're some type of savant. By the way, you automatically believe Vandy's going to beat Tennessee. What a joke. You're a joke. And I'm just like, okay, well. Clearly, you're a Vanderbilt fan, but then I had to pull back that assumption because he spelled U R Y O U R. Yeah, and, and I'm like, well, Vandy, if you don't know, Vandy, yeah, yeah, you don't have a Vandy education, you know, proper punctuation, grammar. Okay, let's move on. Twitter.com always there to put you back in place. Let me Twitter's not real world. Twitter's not real life. I know, but I, but I, I I love Twitter so much. I I am I am a Twitter being, and I know that there's a lot of BS on there. And I know that you gotta you gotta be careful what you see on there a lot of the times, but man, I I love Twitter. It is my source for literally everything. I'm on it more than I'm talking to people throughout the day. Like, and I might have a problem, but I, I love Twitter. It's where anyone wants to break news nowadays. Boom, Twitter. You don't go on your radio show to, to usually break news unless you're actually hosting at the time. Right. You can't wait until the nine o'clock news, the six o'clock news. You can't wait until the papers come out tomorrow. You can literally pick up your phone and break news, and I love it. I'm, I'm here, here for, for all it. that. Here for all, but I'm you're right. There's that. a lot of uh, jabronis out there. Uh, the Big Daddy VFL underscore 1755 this morning. He's funny. <laughs> Have not seen or heard from Sam Smith in quite some time. Sam Smith, though he hates you or bot hates you, whoever it is, uh, loved me. But I haven't heard from him in months. I don't know if he's still out there. No, he's still out there. He's on his normal account, not his burner account. Uh, ten Shouts to 10 digits. Hope you're doing well, dude. I'm not even sure if there's 10 digits after Sam Smith on his Twitter handle. I just like calling him 10 digits. He gets on Grant Ramey all the time, and Grant Ramey would always be like, okay, so at Sam Smith 747566 that says the. <laughs> yeah. Funny those, stuff. That, man, those people have a voice now, and you kind of just have to blow past them. Uh, back to your comment about Tennessee, though. Someone it, tweeted me the other day and said, for reasons, for reasons of what you just tweeted, is why well, I don't follow you. And I said, good things come to those who wait. Um,. <laughs> <laughs> to Twitter etiquette. We should just do a show on Twitter etiquette. That'd be great. Um, uh, I don't know why you're so close to the ledge on this game. Yeah. I don't know why I'm just so yeah about it, nonchalant about it. I just uh, there hasn't been a single person that I have spoken to who is more distinguished in this industry, who has more knowledge of the situation, who have said Kentucky's going to give them a dogfight. Literally, four people I've spoken with. All four people that if I named, and I'm not going to put their names out there, I just, and I'm not trying to be like, ooh, you name drop? No. But the all four of them are just like, man, I, I don't see what people are seeing. He's like, I think the balls are touchdown 10 points better than Kentucky. Even with a JT Shroud slash Jerry Garantano quarterback? or I, They must believe Brian Maurer's playing. And, and let me let me let me talk about some things you've been bringing up on the show this morning, and I completely agree with you. First half against Georgia, Brian Maurer, wow, okay, awesome. Second half, eh, not so much. 
Uh, Mississippi State is next start. Move the ball, move the ball, move the ball. Pick in the red zone, pick in the red zone concussion. Okay, still move the ball. Uh, comes back against Alabama, moves the ball. Did he throw a touchdown against Alabama? I can't remember. I don't recall. I'll have to go back and check my notes. But anyway, move the ball, look good. Had a really nice throw to Josh Palmer on the sideline that I remember. Boom, gets knocked out, concussion. And he has not played since, correct? Mauer hasn't taken a snap since he yeah. bumped his head yeah. back into what's-his-name's knee. Yes, uh, Darnell Wright. Darnell yeah. Wright. So, yeah. to your point, it's like, okay, Brian Mauer had one good half of football. What has he to done since? To answer your question, Mauer hasn't thrown a touchdown since the two yeah. in Georgia. What, you know, what, what has he done since? And so I, I completely get that. Stats don't lie. Um, but still, I feel when, when seeing this team operate, and I would have never thought this coming into the season because, quite frankly, against UTC and against the Orange and White game, Brian Mauer didn't do anything that impressed me. Yeah, he threw two touchdowns in the Orange and White game. He also threw like three picks. He was a gunslinger, just reckless. And you've seen that at points in time this year. But when I see Brian Mauer operate this offense this year compared to Garantano and or JT Shroud, it just seems so much more fluent. It moves. like Tennessee yeah. can move it on anybody. And so there's a lot of times where Tennessee can't move it at all with the other two quarterbacks. And so that's why I would, you know, Brian Mauer just starting quarterback, go with him. He gets yourself the what? best chance to win. But everyone's freaking out like, oh, we need Brian Mauer. It's like, well, Brian Mauer really hadn't done anything to your point since Georgia game. Brian really. Mauer reminds me of a guy I used to play four to score with uh, in our backyard. Score four? Four to score. Oh, sorry. It's backyard football. You see, where, what, I, you see what I did yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, those were our rules. Backyard football in my neighborhood where we grew up, it was called four to score. You got a five, no correction. You got a seven Mississippi, um, you got a seven Mississippi uh, blitz count. Yeah. And you could blitz once every drive. So first one to 10 wins, four to score. You had to score from, we, I think we played on like a 60 to 65 yard field. You had four plays to score. And it was just kind of like, so. What Mauer reminds me of is the guy who takes there were a lot of one play drives. <laughs> oh, especially if, uh, uh, you make one shimmy shake and then you're gone. <laughs> when we played tackle, oh yeah, when it was flagged, no, I mean we had low scoring games. There was sometimes a, t- a, a ten point game because you scored by ones. Ten touchdown game would take like three and a half hours to play. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. I, but it was it was a hell of a workout and get a little social time with the boys. Uh, there's a guy, Joey Benter. Joey Benter used to visit in the summers because he was the younger nephew of one of the guy. Uh, my neighbor is his uncle. Joey Benter used to visit in the summer. And Benter reminds me a lot about Mauer because what he would do is sometimes the safe place, the safe play, just hand it off. We got two yards, but he would want to rip and zip it into the end zone, show how big his arm is. All somebody had to do was literally just tip it, and that ball would just flip in the air like a punt, and somebody would just run under it. Mauer and I, you know, some people would probably just look at that and be like, what a comparison. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying <laughs> there's a lot of electricity. You have to be careful. You always have to keep an eye on Brian Mauer, but it just seems like he always has to do the dangerous play. Like he, it seems like he takes, he makes the low percentage throws, the low risk or the, the high risk, low reward throws. And, and I was really discouraged because maybe because something bigger was on the line when I was watching the Mississippi State game where he took two touchdowns off the board whenever, I mean, Tennessee won 20 to 10. Yeah, they very easily could have won 34 10. They could have very easily lost had maybe Mississippi State started, I don't know, Garrett Schrader instead of Tommy Stevens, which, full disclosure, people wanted to know how it went, and I knew I was coming off that roof when they started Tommy Stevens. I was going to say, so you were so very confident about Mississippi State losing. In comparison to that Yes, I knew they were going to continue to start Tommy Stevens. How are you feeling about Kentucky in comparison to the Mississippi State game? Uh, I was more confident in the Mississippi State game than I am the Kentucky Obviously, game. Obviously, yeah, yeah. But they're close. When I say they're close, I mean, they're not. I didn't blink at Mississippi State. 
I've seen Tennessee struggles against the mobile quarterback, throwing a couple zone reads, RPOs in there, and Tennessee's like, well, we've never seen this. Balls have just been vulnerable to that kind of offense. By the way, sidebar here, a lot of people thought that if you're going to lose to Mississippi State, you would have been on that roof until November 2nd, last Saturday, until Tennessee picked up a win against UAB. Tennessee beat South Carolina the week before, I hear you, but... That was my favorite comment, people who walked up to me after the Carolina game at Neyland Stadium going, Phew. Hey, man, had they not won that Mississippi State game, you'd at least be coming down today, right? Yeah, but they beat Mississippi State, so what the hell's your point? But, but put your mind leaving the stadium against South Carolina or even against UAB, you know, watching that football game. Did you ever think back, like, holy shit, I could still be up there eating nope. that great food. Nope. I would have weighed 75 more pounds nope. when I went, not know, once. hearing the ring of the interstate. Not I'll once. never forget the first morning that you stayed there and we were doing the show, uh, I, I, I called you because I hadn't heard from you, and I could, you have your headset in your tent, and I could hear your phone ring. And I'm like, he's there. Like, wake I, up. I had, you I can't had, even hear yourself think. I had earbuds. Yeah. I had and earbuds you, to try to block the interstate because the first night I was there, a tire exploded from an 18-wheeler, and it sounded like a shotgun went off in a cement mixer. <laughs> so did you ever think about, like, oh, man. like Not once. Okay. That was. And maybe that and maybe that's just you know, some people are just like, man, you so either it was you weren't up there the entire time, we know how the magic trick works. Lie. Literally didn't leave that roof one time between two o'clock or four o'clock Monday and four o'clock well, Saturday. Hey, let's, let's, let's be men here. Answer me answer me truthfully. I mean everyone's gotta take a little dooski. What happened there? You, you made sure you got your business done before you uh before they locked up for the night. So no, where where did you do your number twos? So across from the roof, or like on the roof, across from the platform that I stayed on, yeah. there was like a workshop. It was like a janitor's workshop. The guy who like cleans all the lights, the guy who do, you know details all the cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, there there is a complete parking lot on top of this roof. By yeah, the way, that's where all the employees park. Yeah, yeah. But there was like a think of like a janitor slash like operator's office. closet. Okay, yeah. And you walk in there, and it's literally was like, it like a half bath. No, it was literally just a sink, a mirror, and a toilet. But oh. that guy wouldn't give me a key to it. He's like, "Yeah, you're, you know, but you always said you're only going to be here for five days, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, dude." He was like, <laughs> "He's like, well, then it makes no sense for me to get you a copy of the key. Just make sure you go to the bathroom before I leave at seven o'clock every night." <laughs> so I had to make sure I do skis by seven, six thirty. I was wondering, man. I was wondering. I, and they had yeah. drains up there, so I'd, I'd just pee in those. That is disgusting. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I mean, like, people it, look. It, the, so the funny thing about it was, people either a thought I wasn't up there the entire time, or b were like, "There's no way you possibly knew Tennessee was going to beat Mississippi State. You're just the luckiest guy on earth." And I was like, "Really?" Because if I was the luckiest guy on earth, what? Why? Why did instead of just putting myself on the roof, why didn't I just fly out to Vegas, unload every dime I have yeah. in my 401k and my savings, and just go Tennessee plus six? I mean, I just, which I'm not saying I didn't put a little monetary value on the side on it. Wink, I did. If anybody's uh, listening right now and still thinking that Tyler wasn't out there the entire time, I had Snapchats of him at, you know, like 10 o'clock saying, all right, Chandler, Caitlin, you need to leave. I welcome, <laughs> I welcome anybody to request the footage from the uh, Toyota Knoxville security cameras. Cause they will not they, all the footage. Cause they might not want to see everything. I mean, I'm just letting you know, I, like, it's like they a have, Wilson type situation. They have away. cameras everywhere at every angle of that place. <laughs> And not once did I leave that rooftop. You can see it for yourself. All right. Well, Tennessee beat Mississippi State, put up yes, a hell of a fight in Tuscaloosa, uh, took care of South Carolina convincing fashion, did what it needed to do against UAB. I worked on that just a minute ago. I want to get your thoughts. When you're watching that UAB game, 
I mean, credit Tennessee's defense. Tennessee's defense looks sharp. Tennessee's first-string defense has not had a point scored against them in like five of the last six quarters, okay? Bryce Thompson, though, the, a lot of times the throws were right to him, had three first-half interceptions. Give him credit. Tennessee continues to rush the quarterback. So defensively, I liked what I saw. Offensively, had a really bad taste in my mouth leaving that game. But your thoughts on t- Tennessee did what it needed to do, it did what it had to do, and it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Your thoughts on that game? I, honestly, the part about it that it stands out the most isn't Tennessee. It's Tyler Johnston the third for UAB because well, TJ three. What yeah. we were told, and at least what I read, was that Tyler Johnston the third, despite him only being a sophomore, has Sunday snaps in his future. That UAB found a true talent at quarterback. That Tyler Johnston. Despite the fact that if he, uh, what we were told was there was one lingering effect that is stunning his growth, and that is essentially it's a little bit of Brian Mauer, it's his decision making. Tyler Johnston loves the low reward pass. That guy will throw into traffic a window the size of a dime if he can't. Hence the reason why he had so many interceptions going into that game, and hence the reason why Bryce Thompson picked him off three times. Yeah. Tyler Johnston can run. Tyler Johnston can pass. Tyler Johnston has the intangibles to be a pro style quarterback in the NFL. But Tyler in the Johnson's words a of a Monday Night Football broadcast, or Thursday Night Football broadcaster, excuse me, it's uh, actually, no, this was a mic'd up situation. Sorry. Anyway, uh, he was seeing ghosts, literally. I mean, he he was, I mean, Tennessee was hitting him, and he was, he did not look good at all. Um, you know, in that foot, and credit Tennessee, doing what it was supposed to do. But I just, you know, leaving that game, I'm just like, yeah, 30 to 7, good. I mean, could I Monday when I did all the, when I did all the hits, could I just really like say, oh, you know, so and so played so well? Not really. You know, okay, so Garantano so yeah. threw an interception off his back foot in the first half. Look at the drive chart, and I brought up this up short fields. Today. Short fields. So when Tennessee had only three hundred two yards of total offense, I understand it to an extent because short fields. I, I'd say this. I'll say this. Look at the drive chart. Who started the game? JT Shroud. Uh-huh. Who had the second drive? JT Shroud. After that, that's all Garantano. Didn't Garantano have the second drive? Not, Garantano. Not, not, not no, 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 no. I thought no. I thought Shroud. Anyway, okay. Garantano's game. Point was, that was going to be Garantano's game the entire day yeah. until the game got out of hand, which it did in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, but he made a bad decision off his back foot, which he admitted to post-game and yep. said, look, we have a love-love relationship. Everybody can t- yeah, That's the thing. Everybody's looking for that, you know, the the buzz or the negativity or the, oh, Pruitt's getting on him again. Everybody likes doing the whole rubberneck thing like an accident just happened. And Garantano said, I made a bad decision. It's a love-love relationship between me and Coach Pruitt, and he got on to me, and he needs to. Shroud doesn't start the second half to open the third quarter if Garantano doesn't throw that interception. Yeah. So when anybody's just like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about, Shroud's clearly ahead of Garantano in the depth chart. No, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. I mean, it's, you know, JT Shroud. I would, I would, if you, if you ask me right now, Ivan's, what's the depth chart? I'd say Mauer's 1A, Garantano's 1B. Mm hmm. And Shroud's 2. Yeah, exactly. I carbon copy exactly. Notice I put Mauer ahead of Garantano. But that doesn't mean that they're both not getting 50-50 in the pot. If you don't think that the last two ball games were designed at the quarterback position, then I advise you to watch closely the rest of the season. Juwan Jennings technically is the star because they, they ran the first play in Wildcat. Sure. You know, JT Shroud comes out there, does the first drive against South Carolina. Juwan Jennings, or excuse me, uh, Jerry Garantano, you know, up until he gets hurt. Boom. Like, that, 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 that was his ball game. That was absolutely designed. Partially, I think, just trying to mix it up because clearly Tennessee does not trust JT Shroud. Clearly. Give credit where credit is due on that. When you talk about the game plan at quarterback, yeah. man, Jim Chaney, in my opinion, the last three weeks has earned every single penny of his paycheck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's uh, he's looked really good. The play calls have been really, Bama, really supreme. Solid. Carolina, mm-hmm. solid. 
UAB, screw it. They're going to give you a short field. And All what, right. What I like the most about South Carolina, like within the first five offensive plays, you saw three different quarterbacks. You saw a double. You saw a reverse pass. Right. You saw a wildcat. Jim Chaney was like, okay, here's everything we're going to do. I'm going to throw it at you in the first five plays. Just to say, you know, like, stop it. Like, get overwhelmed. And then, you know, Tennessee had a really good game. But anyway, I mean, it was it was designed completely. Those were Jarrett Garantano games, I think, partially because you got to mix it up because Garantano was not succeeding in the starter role. This is all without Brian Maurer in the equation as well. And also, I think if you showed Jerry Garantano on the Jumbotron at Neyland Stadium, that place would have booed like no one's ever booed before, sadly. And uh, I think that was part of it as well. But Garantano is thriving in this relief role. And here's the thing. He really Jared is. Garantano can, I think, my personal opinion, Garantano could go 34-35 for 500 yards and six touchdowns. And get booed. And still get booed. For that one incompletion. Like, like Garantano just, it's it's it sucks for Jared because this guy will now forever be branded as the black sheep. He'll be forever branded as, like, no matter where he goes. Jared Garantano will always be remembered for the Alabama fumble. I mean, it just sucks because, um, you know, has he made mistakes this year? Oh, yeah, a heck of a lot of them. Did he deserve to get benched? Absolutely. You cannot turn the football over in the red zone like he's been doing. Ah. You just can't. <sighs> and and ill-advised throws. I mean, he's been tur- he's had a turnover issue like he's never had in his career. It's been ridiculous. So, and that's probably the most mind-numbing yeah, part exactly. about all of this. And so it's like, was he an all-star before? No, but you, everyone, both of us, Heather Harrington, we all thought Jared Garantino was going to take that step this year. It's like, okay, well, he's completing 63% of his passes career-wise. He's had three career turnovers here at Tennessee if he can take that next step with better protection from him, who knows how high the sky could be for him. And it just hasn't worked out that way. So does he deserve to get benched? Absolutely. But the fact that he has literally been broken the last two and a half seasons, been broken. And he's, I, I mean, he's, I, I, he's given everything he's had for Tennessee. So it sucks that it's turned out this way. But again, he's still writing his stri- script. Another low point against Alabama. His best game against South Carolina before he goes down. Shows tremendous guts coming in. Nine screws in his left hand. Doesn't have his best game against UAB, but comes back and plays and wins that football game for Tennessee. So we'll just have to see how it is. I mean, it sucks. It sucks, but it's just kind of how it is. But I'm like with Will this morning. Man, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, Brian Maurer was cleared to play against UAB. He was cleared. All three of them were cleared. Jeremy Pruitt said that a couple times. But, I mean, it was obviously a coach's decision to hold Brian Maurer out of yep. that game. I don't think that's going to be the case this weekend. I think you're going to see Brian Maurer. He's your starting quarterback. But, hell. Tennessee's if- not in a position right now where they can continue to wait on Maurer. They need, if he's ready to go start him, I personally, for the health of Maurer, would have waited one more week, get him through the open date, and say, look, you've had a month to clear yourself. This isn't a broken wrist or ankle. You so, only get so many knocks on the noggin before you got to call it quits. If Brian Maurer is a no-go Saturday. Is Tennessee good enough to win with the Shroud Garantano combination? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Are they good enough to win? Sure. I think if Mauer plays, it's the. Sa- I don't think you have a higher chance of beating Kentucky if Brian Mauer plays. I honestly don't. See, I, I, I do not, not, not by much, but I, I do slightly. I do slightly. I put them on the same page yeah. that I do one A one B. And again, I want to see Mauer make plays. Mm-hmm. Ivan, he runs all the time. He scorpioned himself into the. Gr- it's the decision making. In a game like that in Kentucky where it's going to be in the 40s, you don't know what the weather's going to be. It's unpredictable. If there's any game this year Tennessee's going to play where the last team who has the ball is going to win, this is that game. 2017, Ty Chandler's coming out party, getting his first start because 
of a uh, marijuana suspension, right? For John Kelly. John Kelly, yeah. Uh, under the Butch Jones regime. John Kelly got caught smoking with pot. Will Ignat. Will Ignat. Yes. They, and they weren't smoking pot. They were. Uh, they just got. They, found they got caught car. with paraphernalia on yeah, them. Paraphernalia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Will um, Anyway, uh, that was Ty Chandler's first starts at running back. He rushed for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Also returned a kick, I believe. I can't remember if it was for a touchdown or not. It was a long kickoff return that got called back because holding. But he he was on. It was the touchdown because I remember exactly where I was when that when that game and that play took part. It was at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Omaha, Nebraska. My buddy had just passed away. I was, I was there for say, his wake. Why were you in Nebraska? Yeah, okay. my buddy just yeah. passed away, and I was like, "What should we do? I don't know. Let's go to a Omaha, Nebraska." Was that game Buffalo. on ESPN? Or SEC? SEC Network. Okay. It was on SEC Network, and we were fighting with World Series coverage, and I want to say the Huskers had the day games, but there were still a bunch of Nebraska fans still there. Yeah. Yeah. Slowest hmm. Buffalo Wild Wings I think I've ever been to. Literally took me like an hour to get my food. All right. It's Thursday. Score prediction time. I'm going to go, and again, I hope I change by tomorrow. Give me Kentucky 24, Tennessee 18 um, on Saturday. We'll say you. Magic numbers always keep hitting the threes and the fours range. 27-21 Tennessee. I think Samaglia has to have a huge game because then what you do is this. If look, Remember how the UAB game started out? 9 nothing. Mm-hmm. Samaglia had to come through. Yep. What you do is if your defense is stout and you're slowing down Bowden Jr., then what you're doing there is you're forcing field goals. It's three nothing, six nothing, nine nothing. You're already back two possessions. Then you're forcing you're you're forcing Mark Stoops to make decisions in fourth down territory early, hmm. and you already know that he doesn't have much of an arm. So if you're forcing them into running short yardage fourth down situations, you kind of already are playing into Tennessee hands. If I'm Tennessee. Don't take chances. Take the points when you get them because they're going to be limited. I'm telling you right now, if I see Tennessee go for it on a fourth down inside the 35, I'm going to lose my mind. Put some Aglia out there. I don't care how cold it is or if the ball feels like a rock. Some Aglia has shown on many occasions this year. Give him the points when he has them. 18 made field goals, leads the SEC, tied for third in the nation. That's Brent Samaglia, Automaglia, if you will. Uh, he met with the media earlier this week. It was good to catch up with him. One thing before we end things over, again, I, I, I touch base on it just a little bit, but again, let me reiterate. I hear the discussion, and I've said it many, many times, Tennessee has struggled with mobile quarterbacks this year. This is not going to be that type of situation, okay? When Lynn Bowden Jr. is back there taking snaps, he has the capabilities of doing the zone read option. He does, but primarily he takes the snap and he runs. What that does is that running back, okay, you're essentially, you have 11 guys playing because right. usually if you have a quarterback, you only have 10 guys playing because the quarterback hands it off, does nothing else. Okay, your quarterback is Limbo Jr. running. That running back is now an extra blocker, okay? That creates another gap. If you have a tight end, so you already have a D gap, you're creating an E gap, okay? So the outside linebackers, the defensive end, the nickels, you know, Jalen McCullough said the safeties are going to have to be involved huge this week in run support. All those guys have to keep gap integrity, forcing everything inside to the Batulis, the 2020s, to the Aubrey Solomons, okay? The edges are going to be so critical this week, probably more important than anything. That goes for corners, too. Bryce Thompson used to be really stout against the run, okay? He's going to have to come up and play very well against the run this week. Kenneth George Jr. cannot be overmatched, okay? So the edges are going to be critical. It's not going to be your typical zone read option. Kyle Trask, you saw Florida, you know, uh, DJ Ellington, Georgia State. It's going to be a little bit different. But 
Lynn Bowden Jr. is going to be the best athlete on the field when when, when the offense for Kentucky's out there, bar none. Okay, so it's going to be in in you know very 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 crucial for Tennessee to keep everything inside inside inside. So it's a little bit different, but still. The same thing's going to happen if Tennessee doesn't show up and play. Kentucky always has one playmaker. Last year it was Benny Snell Jr. Yep. Take Benny Snell out of the game, win the football game. What did Tennessee do? Take Benny Snell Jr. Highland out of the Hill game. was that playmaker from Mississippi State. Tennessee took him out of the game, but Limbo Jr. is going to touch the football every offensive snap. So, uh, well, yeah, of course, Sawyer Smith is, I believe Sawyer Smith is back, but I don't know how much he's going to play. Um, you know, no, no, it, who's your best option to win? Uh, Bowden Jr. Bowden right? Jr. Yeah, and he won two of the last three. It's not sustainable, in my opinion, but hey, right while it's hot, two Brian Mauer's back. Who's your best option to Brian win? Brian Mauer. In my opinion. but Great podcast. Thanks, man. JG2. I'm, dude, I know people don't like Broadway J right now, but the guy's your best option to win until Maurer goes out there and says, see ball, throw ball, see ball, throw ball, open target, low percentage, throw it away, run out of the pocket, slide. I, li- I-, I like Garantano. Um, and again, I don't think Maurer gives Tennessee a much, 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 much greater chance to win when he's in there over Jared Garantano, but I do think it's slight. And I, yeah, I'll, I don't I'll like the fact that Garantano's one or two mistakes are blown up. Well, oh, he's made it, he's made plenty. No, no, no. I'm talking about during the game. No, no, no. This year, I'm not talking about so in general. Many. I'm talking okay. about in the game. Okay. Like Garantano had a nice game against UAB. Gar- Garantano, eh, it was okay. Garantano had a good game in Tuscaloosa. He had a bad play. Right. Garantano had you know, he had a in my opinion Garantano he had, he had a, two bad plays. Obviously the fumble. Okay, and then he missed Juwan Jennings, which would have been a touchdown. But those two bad plays. What I don't like is that, story what game. I don't like is the fact that anytime Garantano makes a mistake, it is blown out of proportion. Which it should, there's some dumb mistakes. It's like you can't do that, Jared. Yeah. But like if he does it, it's like I the three quarters later, people are like in that first quarter, but yeah. Brian Mauer can go out there and make an mm-hmm. awful read and it's just like oh, he's young, it's go just get him, like, kid. Let's just think like this year. All of his mistakes, almost all of his mistakes, have been at just the worst times. That could, Maybe. you know, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, Maybe that's like, what it is. Like think about it, like like hey, here, I'm going to do exactly what you just talked about. Remember that time at Florida when he missed a wide open DWA down the middle of the field? That could have been six points. You know, could could have been. Uh, obviously, the got two against there. Two, two against Alabama. Yeah, eyes got bigger in his arm. You get eyes bigger in his stomach. Eyes bigger in his arm. Uh, two plays in Alabama that could have been touchdowns. Okay. Um, the one against Florida when it went off, I'm not going to put that on Garantano. That was on Jennings, uh, the one off the face mask. You can touch it, you can catch it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been points in time this year. It's just like when he makes a mistake, it's in the worst time ever, and I think that's why it has this lasting impression. But anyway, I like Garantano. I don't think Maurer gives Tennessee a much, much, much greater chance to win, but I do think he does. So we'll have to see. Is it going to be Garantano? Is it going to be Maurer? Is it going to be Jennings or Shroud? It's musical chairs at quarterback for the University of Tennessee Volunteers, but one thing is for certain – Tennessee needs to win at Kentucky and at Kroger Field. 7.30 will be the kickoff right here on the Sports Animal. I will be on site at Kroger Field Saturday night at underscore Kaner. You can follow me along for live updates throughout the night. With Tyler Robbins, he's at Tyler Robbins on Twitter. I am Eric Kane. This has been the Gentleman's Hour podcast on the Sports Animal. Another Gentleman's Hour podcast is in the books with the starting lineups, Tyler Ivins and Eric Kane. Chat with the guys on Twitter, at Tyler Ivins and at underscore Kaner. It's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on The Sports Animal.